guys, my name is Stephanie Cook, and you are listening to the What's Your Story podcast. Each week, my co-host Hannah Conway and I invite a guest on to share their story of faith because we believe everyone has a story, and we hope that by hearing theirs, you will be encouraged, inspired, and will think about the way that God uses your own unique gifts and strengths to His glory. If you like what you hear, we hope that you will rate and review and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform because that helps us to reach a larger audience, as does sharing our episodes with your family and your friends. If this is your first time, welcome to the What's Your Story podcast. And if you are here every week, welcome back. We can't wait to spend some time with you today. favorite things about recording the What's Your Story podcast is that we get to meet so many incredible people and sometimes we just get to fangirl and today was one of those times. We are so excited to introduce you guys to Rachel Howe. Rachel is a New York Times USA Today and Wall Street Journal bestselling author. She's a Christie Award winner and a double Rita finalist. Her book, The Wedding Dress, was named Inspirational Novel of the Year by Romantic Times Book Club. But her book, Once Upon a Prince, was filmed for an original Hallmark movie, and three of her books have all been optioned for film in the future. We had such a great conversation with Rachel, and we cannot wait for you to get to hear it and to meet her. But sometimes what happens when you fangirl is you get a little bit excited, and you may not push all of the right buttons to make the audio quality be exactly what it needs to be, and that's the case. I have to apologize to all of you guys as our listeners and to Rachel because this episode is going to sound like we were recording across the room because in essence we were. And so we thought about re-recording, inviting Rachel to come back on, but we didn't want you to miss a single second of this interview with her and we had such a great time. So we weren't sure that we could replicate it all over again. So again, we hope that you accept our apologies for not great sound quality, but we hope that the content of this episode will make up for that. So sit back, relax, and listen to this week's episode of What's Your Story with Rachel Houck. All righty. Hey, girl. Hey, girl. <laughs> Did you have a good weekend? I had an incredibly great weekend. That's so wonderful. We celebrated my baby's 24th oh. birthday, which is crazy. That's it's crazy. crazy that that is my little one. That's my baby. Oh, I don't even want to so, talk about it. Yeah. So, and then last night I, I spoke at Mom Life. Um, oh, which, yeah. You know, that's right. We have, a mom, we have a Mom Life group at our church as mm-hmm. well. But um, I spoke for just the overall, you know, general group of Mom Life. And it was just so was bizarre. Was it recording? It was the recording. Okay. So, yeah. So, you guys will get to watch that later. So, you're going to be like in how many states? And, I know. Oh, girl. Yeah, see, I couldn't even think about that. You know, <laughs> luckily in the ring, there were like 10 people. And I was like, that's it. I'm talking to 10 people. Um, but it's just so interesting to me that I am in that camp of like old mom. No, stop it. <laughs> Well, this yeah. was the first weekend. I, can't, I mean, I just can't get it. We did, we did not. I can't even say this without like being heartbroken. We did not carve pumpkins 
like a collective gasp. This is the first year in, I don't know, like literally 18 years that we have not carved pumpkins and they didn't want to. I don't even, I'm like, I don't understand. I don't understand what you're saying to me. So we didn't, instead of we made brownies and I, I don't know, but it was a great weekend. We had a fall festival at church. And that's Are you one of those people that loves Halloween? I love, love okay. everything about fall. True confession. Stop it. Don't even, we've been friends a long time, Steph. <sighs> okay. So October 30th is my daughter's birthday. So she loves the Halloween season, yes. right? Yes. But the stress of having to always plan a birthday party <laughs> the day before Halloween she or in that week Halloween before, it, it was terrible. And so, uh, <laughs> I always dreaded Halloween. And then I'm not creative, and there's so much competition among among you crazy moms out there that do these elaborate costumes, and it just used to stress (laughs) me out. Well, I went as Hermione Granger again. Of course she did. you know, that's my excuse to dress up like that. But no, for real, it was a great weekend, Um, and we've got some fun news coming up. I can't wait to share more about book contract stuff. I keep saying that. I know, and I keep waiting. My agent keeps texting, and she's like, "Just, just a little bit longer, and I'm like, listen, girlfriend. We need to talk. But also in our family life, our adoption of our oldest will be complete on the 5th. So we will officially have adopted. Congratulations. Okay. I I'm excited. I feel like I have awesome there. Yeah. But we do have a great guest today. Yeah, you're fangirling today. I am, I am totally fangirling. I got to tell you. Um, so my writing journey started, oh goodness, I don't know. My first book was in 2014. Um, and I attended the ACFW, the American Christian Fiction Writers Conference, and the speaker today is teaching classes. I've been to her classes, um, listened to her books, and so basically I'm like, I love you, and you don't even know who I am. <laughs> and she totally agreed to come on um, the podcast. I'm having, I'm having a moment. I got my palms are kind of sweaty. Yes, you were a little trembly a few minutes. I know. I was like, she's just a person. She's just a person. But we are so excited to have Rachel Hauk with us here today. And if you don't know her, let me just say this: Google her right now. Stop the podcast. Google her, and I can't wait to chat. Rachel, welcome. <laughs> Hi, you guys. And first, of all, I just want to say real quick: thanks for having me. And Hannah, I do know who you are. <laughs> oh, I can't even. I can't even. Oh. I follow. I follow around, man. We write in the same genre. We do. So we gotta touch. We gotta touch. Touch noses. We do. We do. <laughs> We're in the same circles. I'm just kind of looking in the distance, like there she is. <laughs> Fun times. So yeah. So Rachel, tell those of us who don't live in the world that you guys live in, and um, who you are, what you do, um, and why perhaps um, you and Hannah are in the same circles. Like how you guys cross paths. <laughs> Okay, wow. I mean, like, how elaborate do I go here? Like, hello, everybody. I'm Rachel Hack with New York Times. You must say today, best selling author. <laughs> with that accent. With that accent. That's very much. That's all I've got. I can't do that. And I can do a little bit of Australian. Yeah, yeah, right, right. I can <laughs> Jessica Kate has taught me well. Oh, um, uh, yes, I'm, uh, I've been writing full time for 17 years. And I started out with uh, the little heart song romances back in the day, little category romances, and then I jumped to trade science fiction with Thomas Nelson and had a brief stint at Harlequin's love-inspired line, not writing the love-inspired category romances, but I started out writing Chiclet when they had a Steeple Hill Cafe. Mm-hmm. So I've been been at the, at the keyboard for 17 years. Wow. I live in Central Florida. I've been married for almost 30 years. Oh. And we uh, didn't have children, but my husband was in youth ministry for 20 years. Uh, he's currently a senior pastor of the same church where he served as a youth pastor. So what I have, what we call OPK, other people's kids. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. One of my gr- girls from back in the day, she has nine children. Oh. So, yeah. Wow. wow. We are Oma and Opa. 
Yeah. Well, in the youth ministry, I mean, you've seen lots and lots of kids come through then over the years. So um, that's really cool. Tons of them. Tons of them. I actually have a cool story about that. We can, when we get to like, what's my favorite story? Maybe I'll tell that. Yeah, <laughs> I love that. So you're you're a pastor's wife too. I don't think I knew that. That's, yeah. that's amazing. And you also, at several of the ACFWs that I've been to, you've led worship. You have a beautiful voice as well. Oh, thank you very much. I lead worship so far. I've led worship at all the conferences but one. Mm. And so I'm up for next year again, too. So I think it's because I bring a really cool band. All the guys <laughs> that I bring are really awesome. And they're not my worship band at church, by the way, oh. which is very sad to me. But they, I, I have a collection of guys from around town that I bring with me to ACFW. <laughs> That's so awesome. I'm looking forward to seeing everybody next year in person. Oh, gosh, I know. It's, yes, to yeah. be able to get together in person. So the, for those of us, again, in the non-writing world, oh, yes, sorry. ACFW it's is... American oh, Christian sorry. Fiction Writers. Yes. All right, I've learned to stop <laughs> her and say, what are you talking about, Hannah? It is the largest, if I'm not mistaken, Rachel, it, it is the largest fiction, Christian fiction writing group. And it is. if any of our listeners are out there and they're like, hey, I want to learn to write, like, that is my first advice to them is... Join this group, and even if you're nonfiction, there's just some great critiquing opportunities. So, yeah. oh yeah, and learning how to write a story works for nonfiction. For most people writing some kind of memoir mm-hmm. or um, how-to, even a how-to needs story. So if you come, you can learn how to write story, and you can meet people. And there's agents there who also rep nonfiction titles, even though they're there looking for fiction titles. And also, though, Stephanie did ask. How, how Hannah and I, you know, have crossed paths. We both write royal stories. So I write split time fiction, kind of trade size. And then I also write trade size royal fiction, royal romances. Yeah, romances. What's well, not to love about a prince and right. a princess. <laughs> Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm just thinking about that. I'm kind of going to jump off, off of, of what you guys were just talking about because if there are folks out there you know just hearing you say that you've been writing for 17 years Rachel just kind of makes me want to like fall out of my chair because <laughs> I write some um and there are always these days that it's like okay I have nothing to say like how you know how do you maintain a career of writing for 17 years so how have you how have you kept that fresh and been able to do it that long that's a really great question uh God's grace and, and I'm like a, a newbie when you look at people like Colleen Coble or Robin Lee Hatcher or even my friend Susie Mae Warren who has My Book Therapy which is another great writing place to go hang out if you want to learn how to write. Um, she's a couple of years ahead of me. I was first published in 2004 or she was published in 2003 and she probably has triple the number of books that I have. I only have like 30 or something. She's got, she's going on 80 or 90. She, she's just a machine. Some of them I can't believe how fast they write. But I think it's just, I only write one book at a time. The book that I'm writing is the book that I'm about, and I might noodle on some ideas, or as I'm out talking to people, or watching a show, or reading a book, I might come up with a, my own idea, or you hear something in the news, and you think, oh, that would be kind of cool. How could I turn that into a story? So I think it's something that's in you. Hannah would probably agree. There's just something that's in you that loves to tell story, but not every day is a great day. Right. Some days you just go, well, I write Monday through Friday. I have to write at least 2,000 words a day. Get upstairs and get to work, kid. And I do a lot of planning, as you can see behind me. Of course, Mm -hmm. the listeners can't see, but I have on big sticky notes, I've kind of written out some of the plot of the book I'm working on now. 
So I have, I do a lot of work about who are my characters, what story am I telling? Once I kind of get a picture of that and what are they going to do in the end they can't do in the beginning and kind of that little bit of a roadmap, then I kind of know where I'm going and I know what points to hit along the way. And then the rest of it, you just make stuff up. That's the fun part. <laughs> just make so it up. Much fun. Oh, I love wow. it. I love so it. So 2,000 words a day, is that kind of what your target is? You try to do that five days yeah. a week? 2,000 words do. a day? Okay. Yeah. I do 2,000 words a day, and then I hit about 70,000 words between roughly, and then I usually start over. I go, okay, I know where I'm at, I know all my pitfalls, I know that's not going to work, this needs more work, and then I start over, and I just, I started, I write Scrivener, I start a new, brand new Scrivener, take two, and then I just start moving scenes over as I need them and putting in the new scenes. And now you're starting to get like, okay, now I can see the big picture. Now I can see the flow. Before you're just trying to figure out how do these characters talk? How do they feel? What do they think? What do they like? What's gonna work? And then you hit upon the things that just come out from the end of your fingers that you never even imagined. The metaphors and the symbols or she just said, what? No. <laughs> so. Oh, I'm so you're writing something and it doesn't work, and so you keep asking, "Why isn't this working?" And you keep typing, and you have this really long, boring scene of trying to figure out oh. where you're going. So I love it, yes. and I love it because we've interviewed several authors, and obviously being close to Hannah, that you guys sometimes are as surprised by your characters as, as the readers are. And I love that you just kind of shared that yes. that, that you all don't always know, and then as that story develops, they then they they develop their personalities, and so. Yeah, it's really fun for, for us to hear that. It's uh, I could just we could talk story all day, and then we're going to continue to talk story. And I personally, I want to hear if we back it up a little bit. How did you meet Jesus? How'd you come to know? How'd you come? How did oh, you become a follower? That's a great story. <laughs> I think I just mentioned that in morning prayer at church today. <laughs> I was six years old. My father was attending Oral Roberts University in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and I think he was the youth pastor at Centenary United Methodist Church. In fact, I googled it the other day. Because the church, the book I'm writing now is set outside of Tulsa, and um, sure enough, Centenary United Method is still there. Yeah. And um, I was in Sunday school, and I don't know what the Sunday school teacher was saying. So shout out to all of you Sunday school teachers, really, God love you. I left that class thinking, I need Jesus in my heart. I'm six years old. I remember going upstairs to the main sanctuary, thinking I'm a sinner. <laughs> I need Jesus. Now this is the '60s mid-60s, and so there would be uh, a, a lot of that emphasis on, you know, needing Jesus to forgive our sins, which we do, for sure, and so, but I don't know what she said. I don't remember it being a harsh moment or, mm-hmm. you know, a browbeat moment, but it was, so that night, I asked my mom after church, like, how do I get Jesus in my heart, and <sighs> she said, she explained to me until we were going to go that night to church, and when they made the altar call, I would go forward. And I do remember looking up at her like, can we go now? I need to get sick. I need to get sick. <laughs> I need to get up there. <laughs> and I remember just going, I'm sorry for my sins. Please come and live in my heart. I just kept, it makes me tear up thinking about it. It's so diverse. And I love him because he first loved me. There's no way I would have had an awakening of my heart at that age if he hadn't right. opened my little tiny eyes. And then the pastor came and prayed for me. And yeah, I can, I'm, I'm now as an adult, I think, what would I have thought of seeing a little six-year-old girl up at that altar with her head down, you know, her her hands folded, you know, praying, and probably my mom going, she's letting Jesus into her heart or something. 
I just think I'd have lost it. I think I would lose it now if any kid in our church was coming up front and praying that way. So oh. mm-hmm. there's something so beautiful about the innocence of a child. And, and my husband and I both had the privilege of leading both of our children to Jesus when they were when they were small. And just like you said, the amazement and the wonderment and just that can we get this done? That you <laughs> yeah. know, you, you forget that in our cynical world as we get older and, and looking back on that. So I love that story, how beautiful it is that you know and it's biblical, right? right. Come come to faith as a child. The faith of a child is what saves yeah. us, just recognizing that at that level, that innocent level. So what a wonderful story. Mm-hmm. That's yeah, so thank you. It's oh. fun. It is. Well, you say on your website, speaking of stories, um, I was kind of stalking you a little bit there, girlfriend. <laughs> you, said, you said everything is a story. And I would love to talk about that. I have said this, I, mean, I think since I was a little girl, I just see stories everywhere. And I'd love to hear, hear you just talk about that. Share what you mean. I think it just, it's so simple though, in a way, like everything is a story. When you meet someone, the first thing you kind of say is, well, what's your story? Mm-hmm. Tell me your story. As soon as, as soon as you start talking, you want to know, well, where do you work? That's a story. What, what kind of car do you drive? how do you meet your spouse? It's a story. How did you get saved? It's a story. Everything is a story. Jesus told stories. The disciples would say, what do you mean by that, Jesus? And he would say, let me tell you a story. And he was always explaining the kingdom in, in a story. And, and I think that's what draws us even so much to entertainment. You know, movies and television shows and plays is because you want to be engrossed in that story. And I love that about books because the reader can actually insert themselves into the story in a way that you can't with any other entertainment form. It just invites you because it's all in your head. There's no music. There's no visuals. It's all whatever you can imagine and feel and hear in your head and your heart and, and allows you to go along with that journey. So I think every everything is uh, is a story. Everyone has a story, mm-hmm. believe it or not. So Yeah. And that, that's the premise of our whole podcast. And we say that all the time that, you know, we really want to hear what's your story because you're exactly right. Everyone has a story. Everyone has a story. And so it's so fun to hear. Mm-hmm. All the different stories that we have all lived through. I love that you have a podcast focusing on that because not everyone gets a way to tell their story. Right. Yeah, and that was yeah, that was really our intention behind that is you know, there's lots of we say lots of ordinary folks with extraordinary stories. And yeah. so we wanted to develop a Perfect. platform where people could could have an opportunity to share those things. And so, you know, as much as we absolutely love having folks that are well known, you know, we love just as much having folks who only are known by their neighbors and family, right. sharing family. those extraordinary, extraordinary stories. So, yeah. And I love meeting those people, not just for book fodder. <laughs> how many people, my husband always warns people when I start asking questions, <laughs> when I start drilling and he's like, oh wait, stop. stop. This probably will show up in a book somehow. <laughs> I said, I won't use your real name. That I, I think, one, it helps the person who has the story, it validates them. But also, I love hearing the stories of everyday common people. Yes. You know, the superstars are always on the news or on YouTube. You can always find those guys. So what about your neighbor? Right. Some of, some people have overcome extraordinary circumstances that the world will never hear about. Yeah. So good on you, they yeah. say in Australia. Yeah. 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 You wouldn't believe some of the things we've heard. Oh, and we goodness. continue to say every single week, we're, we're coming up on our 100th episode. Mm-hmm. And we just, Congratulations. Thank you. And every time we're just, we're blown away. But like, can you believe that God accomplished that? Like, can you it's believe amazing. how that happened? And oh. it's, yeah, we love people and we love stories. So. It, it just makes me excited. <laughs> so um, I, we're going to talk about, we're going to talk about Hallmark. 
Uh, I mean, we just have to. So Do we have to? We, I mean, we, we absolutely <laughs> have to. I personally adore Hallmark movies. I know our Well, it is the season for <laughs> the best, the best Hallmark time. I just downloaded the calendar where, you, you know, you can Did get, you? Oh, yeah. You can go and get a calendar of everyone that's going to be shown between now and the holidays. How so, have I not known this? Uh, it's there. Oh. Go find it. Yes. You've got you to get the schedule. I've got to get on the schedule. Yes. got to get on the schedule. So, love our Hallmark movies. They are fun. They are sweet. And you had a book that was picked up turned into a Hallmark movie can you just tell us about that journey I mean girl has so many questions I'd love to hear this journey and and our listeners you need to watch the movie mm-hmm. <laughs> and read the book first read the book first yes please watch the movie um, <laughs> please read the book I guess I should say that was my part um, <clears throat> had nothing to do with it for me it was all the licensing department at Thomas Nelson so Wisely, they started realizing, hey, this is another medium form. You know, all of a sudden, you know, first books were just print, and then they were e, yeah, electronic, and now all everybody has audio. Right. And then I think they realized there's all these vast ways to get movies out now in this century, and it's going to increase. Let's let's help our authors get their stuff into into film. So, um, as you guys know, Denise Hunter had a couple of books made into a Hallmark movie, mm-hmm. and the same producer for a couple of Denise's movies was she's just loves the stories that we tell in the Christian market. She did some, I think she did uh, Beverly Lewis books into movies. And so somehow she got a hold of one, uh, Once Upon a Prince, I think probably Thomas Nelson gave it to her. And they read it and said, okay, we're making this. And so I heard, I was at American Library Association show and the person at the time who was heading up the licensing's Kat Zappa. Yes, she's Frank Zappa's niece. She, uh, which is a nice claim to fame, right? Yeah. She, she walked up to me and she goes, I got a surprise for you. <laughs> she goes, we just, I just found out on the plane mm-hmm. right down that Once Upon a Prince has been optioned. And like, you had to pick me up off the floor. Yeah. <laughs> the Here's world? me though. I will be honest. You guys really want to know Rachel Howe. This is Rachel Howe. Yay. Oh, wait. Something could probably go wrong. So don't get too excited. <laughs> it probably be years before it's made into a movie. So just... You know, <laughs> don't, get too, don't get too carried away. Don't yeah. get too carried away. I'm half Eeyore and half Tigger. So uh, it was really exciting. And she said, you know, of course they give you dates that aren't realistic. Oh, we'll probably start the, we'll know more this year. This was June. So it was actually two years before June 16. And it was, came out in April of 18. Mm-hmm. So I go through the rest of 16 and all of 17 towards the end of 2017. Now I don't know anything. I just occasionally would go, hey, Kat, any news? And then I, toward the end of 17, I heard that their script was green-lighted mm-hmm. in December of 17. And then we were, I remember my husband and I were driving to a meeting and then get a text from my agent. And he goes, okay, they're filming the end of January to February. When do you want to go? <laughs> I'm like, oh, I don't, oh, well, I don't even, I haven't read the script. I don't even know what scenes are in there. I just said, the ballroom scene. I figured that and they said, okay, done. You're, you're going here. And it was all this really fast turnaround. I think you only had two weeks to book tickets, to book a hotel. I had to fly from Florida, Victoria, British Columbia um, to be on set. So that was really, oh, wow. really fun. It was really fun to, to go and be on set. But I didn't have any input with the script whatsoever about having seen the movie. I was I personally am pleased with it. Okay. And I knew that the 
movie wasn't going to have all the components of the book, that they would have to combine things and change things. But as far as like the overall big picture of the story that I told, I felt like that's what the script delivered. I felt like that's what the film delivered. Mm-hmm. So it was super fun to go and be on the set. And I had just finished writing The Love Letter, which has a movie component to it. Uh, in the mod- It's a split time. In the modern day, the modern characters are in a film. And so I thought, okay, I'll see if I got all of my you know, film dialogue correct, <laughs> which I did. I was you did, and you were like, yay. Hey. Um, <laughs> hey, friends, I'm interrupting today's episode for just a minute to share a wonderful gift idea for the holidays this year. Maybe there's that certain someone on your list who has everything and you have no idea what to give them. Or maybe you've been asked what you want and you can't think of a single material thing you want or need. How about giving the gift of deeper self-awareness and improved relationships this year? Unlike the Jelly of the Month Club, this truly is the gift that keeps on giving. I'm offering a holiday special through December 31st of $50 off a five-session Enneagram coaching package. In five sessions, clients who are not at all familiar with the Enneagram can expect to discover their core motivations and be introduced to the wings, paths, and subtypes. Clients who have already identified their number can expect a deeper dive in coaching through specific relationship pain points. Wherever you are in knowledge of the Enneagram, five coaching sessions will give you more clarity, greater empathy, improved communication, and increased patience with yourself and those you love. Contact me through Facebook, Instagram, or email at stephanie at stephaniecook.org to purchase your gift at $50 off. Again, that's stephanie, S-T-E-P-H-A-N-I at stephaniecook.org to purchase your gift at $50 off. Now back to today's episode. So the screenplay then, did you even get to read the screenplay? The screenplay? No, not beforehand. I think I got a copy after the fact, which was interesting because usually, you know, in, in fiction writing, we teach the three-act structure, and that's usually based off of screenwriting or, you know, Blake, what's his name? Uh, Blake Snyder's that's thing, a cat. <laughs> but this thing had like six or seven acts. It had many, many acts. Wow. So it was interesting. But you can see when you watch a Hallmark movie, you can see how they're pacing it and breaking it down. Mm-hmm. So yeah. that was super, super fun. So I'm always interested, you know, like when you signed away the rights, I'm assuming you gave them permission to be able to mm-hmm. use that. Do sure. they say it could change drastically and hate that for you? Or how do you go in? How do you go into that? Like what would have happened if you would have been displeased or is that even an option? I think I would have just been displeased. Yeah. I, think I would have had much say in it. I know with Denise Hunter's one of her books, they changed the storyline quite a bit to fit, you know, what they had to do with Hallmark. Uh, early on, Diane Hunt, who has gone on to be with the Lord, one of her books was changed, was made into a Hallmark movie. And it was called, uh, for better, for worse, I think. And I think the title and what the characters were, one was a divorce lawyer and one was a wedding planner. I think that is the only thing of her story she took that they kept 
like uh, people who watch it was like, it was nothing like Dye's book. So you kind of go in expecting that's a possibility, but you also go in with, they saw something that they thought they could tell a story with. Mm -hmm. So I'm gonna trust that their interpretation of my book to their medium forum that they're experts in, I'm gonna let them do that. I'm gonna trust them for that. And so that, that was really cool to watch that happen. And then, you know, I'm sitting here in my office, you guys have a little glimpse of part of it. And by myself, writing this book, it's the book I was writing after the wedding dress, which we all knew the wedding dress was gonna do well. And this is a very different book. The wedding dress is a split time story. And now here I'm writing a royal romance. Like, how's that going to go over with people? (laughs) And pulling ideas out of my head, doing all the research I can do. And now I'm watching it come to life and film with a cast and crew with, you know, 40 people filming it. And there's music and the day in the ballroom scene, there were 90 extras, which is unheard of, you know, or that's very rare, not unheard of, but very rare. We're actually uh, at the the government house in Victoria, British Columbia, where the actual royal family stay is when wow. they go to Victoria. Oh. So one of the guards had stories <laughs> with Prince William and little Prince George. Oh. So yeah, that was kind of emotional. I texted Denise Center, like, I, you didn't tell me this was gonna be emotional, just seeing wow, this was my story and now it's a live on film. That's yeah. so cool. That is so Girl, I'm about cool. to cry for you. I'm like, <gasps> so did you get to be an extra or make an appearance? <laughs> yes, I was an extra in the ballroom scene. So they did the whole work. They picked me up. They took me to my trailer. I had a name on my trailer and I had gone to costume before that. And they put me in a dress and I had a light blue dress and a dark bolero. They did my hair and they did my makeup and they drove me to set. Then I walked in and my husband wasn't, you know, technically because I'm not a member of any guild really, you know, sneak me on set, so we're double sure you can't sneak the husband on set. And so he was up on the balcony looking down at the ballroom scene. So if you watch the movie, you see the ballroom scene. When you first go into the ballroom scene, if you look, the stairs are on your left-hand side, and you'll see me standing there with a couple of other people. I have that dark blue blue arrow and a blue dress on. And uh, then later on, Prince Nathaniel is talking to his mother, and there's no one over his left shoulder. And then you cut back, and there's two people over his left shoulder. That is me and my husband talking. Because during one of the interludes after the cut, the director comes over and sees me and he goes, oh, Rachel, there you are, good, okay. Where's Tony? And I said, well, he's up there. And he goes, put Tony in a tux. And there goes Tony running off in a tux and comes back, it's a little rumply. And of course he didn't think he was gonna be on and he always wears his reading glasses on top of his head. And so he has these little indentations in his hair where his glasses sit. So his hair is like all these different directions. He has very thick hair. There are all these different kind of directions. And I thought, oh, goodness, I hope the camera doesn't get too close. But don't you know, hours later, one of the makeup girls goes by and they, they call out touches. Touches. Does anybody have to have their makeup kind of touched up and been sweating or anything? And she walks by him and she stops and she walks back and she says, how did we let you out here with that hair? <laughs> I know. <laughs> I had a good laugh over that. That is so, so that fun. That's so fun. I'm glad he got to be in it. I'm glad he got to be in it. Yeah. yeah. That's so special. He got to go with you and just experience all of that. And Oh, yeah. It was quite an ordeal. We probably spent 
half of my take on the, of my take of the money going out there, but it was well worth it. I'm like, I'll sell my, I'll take a loan out on the house if I have to get out there. I'm going. <laughs> Absolutely. But, um, yeah. When do you get to invited to be on the movie set? So, uh, and, and just to that end, just for all the authors listening or anybody listening, you know, I felt like I had to tell the church because my husband's a senior pastor. Hey guys, we're not millionaires. <laughs> right. <laughs> we didn't make a lot of money on this. In fact, I made less money on the movie than I did the actual book. But you know that but that's just the way it is. These that's how these films go. There's more of a flat fee kind of thing. They pay you so much. And then of course I'm in partnership with Thomas Nelson, so they get a cut of it naturally because they did the work to get it done. Right. And have no have no regrets about any of that at all. But that's how it works. Yeah. But you can be like, I'm in a movie now. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, and I do think one that more, you know, one more, and I can get a SAG card. Yes, <laughs> like for me again, just being able to be kind of you know juxtaposed to this world that you guys live in, and I've learned so much about it. And like you said, there is this this you know misconception out there that if you get a book published, then the next day you know you're the Rockefellers, and so that's just not exactly how that goes. And yeah. and the getting the book written is really like half of the work, right? I mean, there's Ooh. a lot that comes after that. Mm-hmm. Trying to market there's and, a lot. and there's yeah, a lot get someone interested in it, get it published, and all the things. So, all the things. kudos to you guys that have done you 30. <laughs> Hannah's done what five? Well, <laughs> well, seven, I guess, told yes. two that are floating, yes. and one more that's out there. So, I guess eight. I, I'm gonna say eight. Well, that's six and a half more than me. <laughs> so, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. It is it's so much fun. Um, gosh, oh, so Hallmark movies, I, I do. I do want to talk about something else that you said um, on your website that has stuck with me. And you've said a few things that have stuck with me. I've been to several of your classes that you were teaching. Um, you've said, dreams are best realized when running in partnership with the living God. And how would you say that this applies to all believers? Because I very much see this as an author. When I sit and write, I'm very much inviting God. I'm like, God, what do you want to write? Can you, mm-hmm. what, what do you want to create? Could you just talk about that uh, a bit and what that looks like and how does it apply? It's just a beautiful statement. I, I just feel like he's made me, he called me, he saved me, he's continued to save me from myself in many, many situations. And I can't imagine that I know myself any better than he does. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I don't know tomorrow, he knows tomorrow. Yeah. And I feel like so often we set ourselves up for disappointment when we run in our human energy to try to create our own human wants and desires or with the things that we imagine that I want to do and be and see and we never achieve them so well, I'm a failure. Well, I never accomplished anything. Well, but you're a great dad or a great mom and you, you stayed steady. I mean, my grandfather... If you look at back over his life, he didn't do anything stellar, except the guy got up and went to work every day. He worked on, but he was a bus mechanic for the city of Columbus, Ohio, and he came home every night. You know, he was a steady Eddie, and he loved his wife, and he loved his children. And I just feel like there's so much to be said for that. At the same time, was there more that, that, he, that maybe God had for the, him that he could have pursued? I don't know. But I feel like the only way you're going to really know what you're called to do and who you are is if you ask the one who made you, flat out. And and when you are disappointed, because we all get disappointed or we all get let down, or we all wonder, did I take the right turn here? 
do I need to take a turn here in this, this point juncture in my life? He's the only one who can really partner with us to know what to do and steer us. And sometimes he doesn't tell us, <laughs> I trust you, go ahead and make your decision. No, I hate those ones. I'm like, tell me what to do. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I want those people like, I want no regrets. And sometimes you have to have regret. Sometimes that's the way it goes. Uh, and, and sometimes wanting no regret leads to regret. So. Right. <laughs> or that can be its own prison. I don't want no regrets. Well, now you're locked into that. And then, so now you're not making any choices. But I just feel like I want to, I think Tim Allen, the comedian, said it just to an interviewer once that she was asking him about his belief in God. And, she, and he goes, well, I have a maker and I would like to have a relationship with him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's it right there. The guy who made me, the God who made me, I want to know. I want to know him. That's yeah. beautiful. Yeah. yeah. And it reminds me, I've heard of, um, I don't remember which Bible teacher said this, but talking about when we get to heaven and, you know, we're going to be thanking God for all the many blessings in our lives. And then I don't know that it's going to happen this way, but perhaps there's going to be a door that he opens and says, these are all the ones I wanted to give you, but you weren't willing to step out in faith or you weren't willing to, like you said, take that risk that you might have regret. And so just the freedom of knowing that if you just get up every morning and surrender and say, okay, Lord, take me where you want me to go today. Like, what would that life be like? Um, but we, we do, we, we're so often chasing things that we think are going to bring us whatever success or fame yeah. or happiness or joy or, you know, whatever it is. Um, and yet his plan for each of our lives is so unique and so special. And if we could just step into that, step into that relationship and, and just surrender, that would just be so easy and so freeing and, Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I think that door would not be, these are the things I wanted you to do. I think that door will be like, here's what's for you next mm. in this life. Oh, you know, oh, so wow. you yeah. ran that life. That was the internship. <laughs> he knows we're not going to get it all right. He's not expecting us to. But now here's all the good things that I have for you. You know, Paul writes that we can't, hasn't even entered our mind the things that he has for us. Oh, so I love that. I yeah, and I wonder if that's exactly what, now I'm just getting, you know, deep lost in thought, but I wonder if that's exactly what heaven is. Mm-hmm. All the yeah. things that we were created for in perfection. Yeah. Oh, like each of us gets our own little piece of heaven. So. Oh, I, I think so. I was just reading in John this morning. We finished off the book of John and my reading plan. So John 21, at the very end, John leaves the sentence that just, oh, it's like, it's like, oh, there are so many more things that Jesus did, but... I, you know, I haven't written them here. I suppose there wouldn't be enough books in the world to contain all the things that he did. And I'm just sitting there hanging on that last verse thinking, what else? <laughs> what right. else did you do? And then to know that there's more coming that we can't even imagine. And so, I, I don't know. It just it makes me so excited to sit there and think about um and when we're going through this life and we're struggling and we're trying to figure out our purpose or what are our purpose is to love God and love people and whatever that looks like. And not that if we follow God and do all the things right, that, you know, it's not A plus B equals C. It's just that we're following God. He says, if you love me, you'll keep my commands. And that's what it is. It's just, I followed you. I mess up sometimes. I'm getting back up. I'm following you. And so when, when we are partnering with God, yes, to achieve dreams, but just to live this life with the one who made us. It's beautiful. Mm, and that's yeah. the best story. Oh, yeah. Isn't that amazing? Mm-hmm. It's a good yeah. story. Yeah. yeah. I hear things like, this life is an internship. And so 
what we account for is what we do with our time, our words, and our money. So if if you want to if you want to be a good intern, figure out that you know do the best with your time, your words, and your money. So because I think in the next life, one he's a rewarder, huge rewarder in this life and the next. And two, we're going to enter into something that we that's unfathomable. My dad died in 2005. And a year later, my mom moved with my grandmother up to Tennessee from northern Florida up to Tennessee near my brother. And, you know, she was struggling. Now she's taking care of her, you know, mom and she's lost her husband, you know, way too young. He was not quite 69. And so um, my sister-in-law had a dream where she saw my mom just sitting there looking kind of sad. And but my dad was talking to her and he, he was like, wow. You're not gonna believe how great it is here. It's amazing. <laughs> kind of like trying to cheer her up, like it is so worth it. It's a great readers read a Springer song about it's gonna be worth it. And so I feel like that's if we can keep that focus, which we can't always, you know, but if we can try to keep that focus of the trials of this life are nothing. Paul calls his trials momentary light affliction. <laughs> and he had some afflictions. Like you're right here, right? Yeah, he had some afflictions, right? <laughs> Oh my goodness. Oh, this is so much fun to just think about and talk about. Oh, I love it. Love it. Um, you know, you had pointed out that Jesus teaches with stories. And um, I believe that that's why we're called in this podcast is to share stories. Mm-hmm. And I believe that's why I'm called to be a writer and to speak and to teach. Um, and we have pointed out before in Revelation, it's like you know, the enemy's going to be overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of the testimony like it's our words that that make a difference and so for you to be here and to sit and share your story like you're making an impact by just coming and sharing all of this i just want to thank you for that i get all geeky like for having super fun to talk about oh it is and we could just sit and talk about like heaven let's talk about it I remember a story that you shared, um, and it was a dream, actually. I, I don't remember what class I was in. I was probably in the back, like, fangirling, like, taking a million notes. But you shared a dream. It was, like, about story ideas, and Jesus had come to you with, like, a bag. Do you remember mm-hmm. this? Can you share yeah. this for our listeners? Because I yeah. have held on to the story for years now. Actually, I was I was at Poughkeepsie, New York. We had taken a team up there to do some nights of worship with this church that we had developed a relationship with. And and my book, Lost in Nash Vegas, had just come out. And now it's called Nashville Dreams. And, you know, it was one of my first books with Nelson. And, you know, it wasn't tearing up the charts or anything. (laughs) So I'm thinking about it. And my second book, which is a a sequel to that, might have actually been out. I might have been working on it. I think I was... Maybe it had just come out. Anyway, it doesn't matter. But as we're doing these worship nights, all of a sudden, I saw myself like Peter on the water. And, and you know, if Peter, he, he has the faith to ask Jesus to step out on the water. Jesus says, come. As long as his eyes are on Jesus, he's walking on the water. The moment he starts looking at the wind and the waves, he sinks. And then he cries out to the Lord for help. And we're all like, yeah, when you sink, you got to cry out to the Lord for help. And like, yeah, Jesus tells him, yeah, dude, you have no faith. And so I think if he had just lifted his gaze back to Jesus, he might have risen out of the water himself because he reset his gaze. 
you know, in a sense, uh, still relying on the Lord, but he's resetting his gaze. He's getting it off the circumstance. So I was sitting on the water in this kind of mind's eye vision. You guys know what I'm talking about. And I see Jesus walking towards me on the water, and he has a burlap bag in his hand, and he tells me, here, reach in here and pull out stories, because these are stories I've wanted written over the years that people didn't get around to it. And so I, I will often just kind of mind reaching in and pulling out a story and putting it on my heart. And then over the years, I've kind of mulled that over thinking, so you really want me to write a book about an American girl who meets a, a prince in this fake country and becomes a princess? <laughs> so it's not, that's the partnership part. I wanted a story that reflected my heart towards the believer in love, like that we're kings and priests in his kingdom. I wanted a story that, re that reflected my heart of forgiveness. And then I always have some little supernatural element in all of my stories. And so, you know, there's the character Aurora in Once Upon a Prince, who's, who's kind of the voice of God going, this is who you are. This is who you are. And so I think that's what he's saying. It's like, I'm giving you the theme, the ideas, the, the, the my heart portion. You craft the story around it. You make it come out the way you want to. And so I feel like that's how he, he uses us, you know. I want to minister to these people, but you're going to be my boots on the ground. Right. So. Oh, and isn't that so cool, just, you know, even hearing you talk about that and, and you guys even talking about, you know, how you write that many books. Well, it's because it's in you or it's not in you, right? And God put that in you guys. And he puts different things in all of us and then allows us to come together in community and just glorify him and honor him through, like you said, he doesn't necessarily give us every single step, but he's like, here's the dream. Here's, you know, here's the vision. Here's the, he, he plants those things. And I love um, Chrissy Wright is she's been kind of a business coach for me. And one of the things that she talks about is, you know, so often we're like, we don't want to get our hopes up. But she's like, we serve the God of hope. Right. It's okay to get your hopes up. He puts those dreams in your heart. Of course he wants you to go for it. And so I just love even hearing you say that, that it is that partnership. It's that coming together. It's that letting, he lets us realize our dreams. And what a graceful, yeah. loving, amazing God yeah. that does that for each and every one of us. And, and, and we're all different. You know, we're all different. Your dreams and my dreams aren't the same. So that's how that's I know right. there's a God, right? Or we all have that's a right. dream. But all have the same dream. But you think about it with your kids. You look at each one of your kids and you figure out which what they need to become the person that, that they need to be or that you see in them. And I mean, if you're a good parent, you do everything you can to help your child realize their dreams, mm -hmm. even in our, in our weakness and imperfection. How much more God the Father will do for us, and again, not for us, but that he wants for us. Right. Yeah. And, and for his kingdom. And I had this idea the other day. I thought, okay, we're all Jesus' inheritance. You know, Paul talks about we have the inheritance of the saints in Ephesians 1. And I'm thinking, if I'm given an inheritance of my kid, I'm going to do the best I can to give him the most. Right. So I started yeah. talking to the Lord about, okay, we need a bunch more people to get saved because you got to give your son a really huge inheritance. That's <laughs> so, right. right. Like, so, so how much more for us who are working in partnership with his kingdom to come on earth as it is in heaven to, to reach people and to reach believers. You know, I have people, right? I'm sure Hannah, you have too. I wasn't even thinking about something in a particular story, and but a reader will write and say, oh, as I was reading this scene, God really 
did some work in my heart and my relationship with my father or you know I had a wound or or I had lost hope in an area and I was reading your book and I'm thinking that wasn't even in my mind right but mm. that's what the Holy Spirit did throughout the reading this book which is always my prayer Holy Spirit fill the cracks yeah. you know, tell the story you want to tell uh, where, where I've missed it or where I didn't you know I have cracks in my story <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> that's all right. You know, you know the Holy Spirit will, will do that. His word doesn't mm-hmm. return void. And I love that long after I'm gone, you're gone, whatever we've written is just there. And so my prayer is that yeah. whoever, whoever picks up any of my stories, that God just speaks to them. It stirs their hearts. Um, if they don't know him, that they will. Uh, and, and if they have walked away, that they'll return. Um, or if they're struggling, that it will encourage them. So that is my prayer for anything that I ever write. Yeah, I think that's good. I try to think, I hope that I write it in a way that if a person doesn't have a faith in the Lord or that the book is still, still has to be a great story. Mm-hmm. I'm still out to entertain. I'm still out to tell a great story. But I hope that the spiritual thread is alive enough that if somebody doesn't have any concept of God or doesn't have a relationship with God, that it, it at least stirs their spirit man to go, hey, does God love me? Is right. there a God? You know, start them on that journey. You know, Paul talks about we're an aroma of Christ. So put your aroma on the story, you know, just like when you drive and buy barbecue and you smell <laughs> Hi, like we're going to barbecue tonight because you smell their aroma. That's right. Smell that Holy Spirit aroma on it. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I'm totally, I totally believe that you do. I mean, we could just go into that, like your characters, um, the one that I'm reading right now, like they're struggling with their faith, right? Like mm-hmm. they're asking these questions and I'm like, this is so relatable. Like anyone could pick up this book and, you know, I mean, we're spiritual beings. We have spiritual questions. And so even if they're non-believers, they're going to read this and they're going to start asking those questions. So thank you, have girl. Thank you, have. Well, I can totally see Lahaina fangirls. <laughs> Definitely. You are lovely, absolutely lovely. It's been a pleasure getting to talk to you. And, and So we're going to run out of time today, but we do want to know, is there anything else that you want to share with our listeners that we haven't talked about that was on your heart? That's a really great question. Uh, I'll sit here and say, ah, for five minutes. You guys can edit that out. <laughs> I would just say, have faith in God. Have faith in God. If you're, no matter where you're at, have faith in God is for you. It's not against you. And Pan probably is, remembers, but one of my things that I always say when I leave worship at the writer's conference is, remember you guys are his favorite one. And God likes you and you look good to him. Put a little emphasis, a little snap. God looks good. You look good to him. And I feel like that's just sometimes you need to go back to ground. You're loved. Have faith in God. He likes you. You look good to him. So, oh, it's beautiful. Those are just, oh, good words, girl. Give me chills. Well, you already know we have one last question, mm-hmm. and you're going to tell us what is your favorite story, and I can't wait to hear it. Okay, my favorite story about it could be anything real life, fiction, Bible, movie, you get to pick. Like, Hallie, when we had her on, she was like, My favorite story is the one that I'm writing now. <laughs> oh, right. So what's your favorite story? Okay, I'm gonna tell this story. I have a ton of favorite stories. My, as far as books I've written, Softly and Tenderly, that I wrote with Sarah Evans is one of my favorite stories. It was one time that 
one of those times where I, I was actually talking to the characters, I'm talking to myself in the mirror, and one of them reveals something that like shocked me, but it was exactly what I needed, and I went and I changed how I was writing the story, and it gave this other character a deeper storyline, a deeper background. So I have those kinds of story moments, but one of my all-time favorite stories, as, as far as related to writing, even above getting a contract or the movie deal, was um, one year, I never came, I didn't come out winning a lot of awards or finally any contests. It just wasn't my thing. It just didn't happen for me. And it only still only happens sporadically, but I'll take it when it comes. So my book, Love Starts With L, the first time I entered in the Romance Writers of America's Rita contest, uh, I finaled. And as I'm on the phone talking to my writing partner, Susie Orange, telling me that she finaled, I get a call from the Rita committee telling me that I had finaled. So there we are on the phone together. We both had finaled. So that same year, Denise Hunter had finaled and uh, Robin Lee Hatcher had finaled. Well, Denise didn't go and Susie didn't go. So I was accepting their readers for them should they win. And so I had a three and eight chance of getting on the stage. <laughs> nice. <laughs> so I, I went around uh, that afternoon. I took a little time because I say, you know, you don't think you're going to win. So you don't prepare something and get up there and you fumble all around and you look kind of goofy and you don't thank the right people and you wish you could do it again. So I go and I write my little speech and I read it to my roommates and they gave me some pointers and I had Susie's speech and I had Denise's speech. So I'm sitting there during the read the ceremony. Now, at the time I had had short hair and it was starting to grow out. And so it looked kind of like a little football helmet from the 30s. That's how I described it. <laughs> I also had on this dress that that's, was a beautiful secondhand dress, like a vintage dress. But for some reason, it, the slit came up a little high on, on, on the side. And so when you know you're wearing your like tummy tuckers, I'm a little bit heavier than I am now. But the leg of the tummy tucker went beneath the slit. So I had to roll it up. So I'm sure there's like the old fashioned roll that your granny used to have when she rolled down her pantyhose. So yeah, this is me. And right before the ceremony, my shoe broke. Oh, so girl. Had a pair of strappies and so the strap came up the sole. So I tried to glue it, but it didn't really glue well. So I'm sitting there, and they call, you know, the winner of the, in the inspirational category is finding Stephanie Susie May Warren. Oh. And Robin Lee Hatcher's like, get up there, girl, get up there. So I'm like, oh, I got to go. So now I'm like, clip, pop, clip, pop. I'm walking up there because my shoe's broken. I go up on the stage, hoping they don't see my little underwear roll, undergarment roll on the side. And then I then I'm on the jumbotron. I can see myself, and there's like two thousand people there. And there's my little football helmet head, and I gotta read Susie's note. Now this is the reality, though. I've lost. She's won. I've lost. So as I'm reading her note, and I said, "Oh, I'm so excited for Susie," and she was up for the Christie last week, but she didn't win. So this is such an honor. And I read her note, and I I'm emotional and teary. Oh, as I'm reading her note, so it was just kind of overtaken. And then, then I they hand me the Rita, and I was closest I've ever gotten to it. And then I walk off the stage, and I call her, and she says, "You won." I said, "No, you did. We are both." She goes, "No, I didn't." I'm like, and now I'm really crying again. No, you did. I'm bawling. Uh, when the editor walks by, I said, "Here, Krista, tell her, tell her she won. Susie, you won. You won." And she couldn't believe it that she won. And so the night goes on. And actually, some of my local writer buddies, 
this was a, a witness to them, really. They were like, wow, we were super impressed that you didn't say your name because then everybody would have known you'd have been a nominee too. But mm. praise God, I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> but that really did turn out to be a testimony to them that I wasn't that I didn't try to promote myself in the midst of it, and that again was God. And that as I'm laying in bed that night, I'm thinking, okay, you didn't win, so now you got to start all over. But the truth is, I did win because I accepted the award for my friend. It was a real moment between me and the Lord on loving someone more than yourself. I was so excited for her. And for a couple of years after that, Susie and I would kind of tell the story if we were teaching a class together. And I was like, I got the greater prize because I got to receive my friend's award for her and call her and tell her she won. This is one, it was a defining moment on that, on the writing journey for me. And I've had many more where, you know, where I maybe wasn't as thrilled for someone. <laughs> but, but, um, yeah, and I, I finaled twice, I've never won, now that the award doesn't exist. Um, so that'll never be an award I get, but, but in, as an aside, not, a couple years ago, I flipped at Minneapolis and I was at Susie's house and, and twice I've been to her house. And twice, I saw the read and it was covered in dust. <laughs> and I told her the last time we made this little thing. We took pictures of me stealing her read I said, I'm going to peel off that plate and put my name on there. And I said, if I see this covered in dust one more time, I'm stealing it. I'm telling you right now, I'm get ready. <laughs> That's such but, a great story of champion another woman. And yes, we had Heather yes. Thompson Day on not too long ago, and she wrote a book called It's Not Your Turn. Mm -hmm. And it's like, what yeah. do you do when you're really wanting something, but the Lord has given it to all the people around you, and people that you love, and you're right. excited for them, and you you know, you know want to cheer them on. And so I love that. And I think it can be true. We can both be both disappointed and, you know, for ourselves and ecstatic for someone else. And I think we, you know, in our competitive world, sometimes we think, well, if she gets that, a win for her is a loss for me somehow. And that's yeah. just not the case. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I, let me clarify too. It wasn't covered in dust. It was dusty. That sounds different than <laughs> dust, like two ways. Yeah. Um, oh, my goodness. But, but I do think, I, I, I saw a great quote not long, a couple years ago that I really loved. It was like, someone else's success does not ensure your failure. Right. And I, I do think that's how we react to it. Well, she won, I failed. Mm -hmm. And then when you go through the award process, you realize it is hard to find them. Mm -hmm. It's hard to win. Yeah. And you don't know what's on people's mind when they're judging. And right. so I feel like uh, that's where we can't put our eggs in that basket. So sure, enter contest. Sure, it doesn't mean that you're gonna be successful. Yeah. Like I've, I've won a few contests, I didn't win any, I didn't even hardly final in any pre-pub contest. I've won a few published contests. I've I've not finaled more than I finaled in one. Uh, but out of the blue, I hit the New York Times. Out of the yeah. blue, I hit the Wall Street Journal. Um, you know, that same season, I hit the USA Today. So you don't know, there's lots of authors who would love to hit the New York Times. It's not easy, yeah. it's hard. It, it was just what God was doing. Right. Right. Oh, goodness. Thank you so much for being here. This has really been, I mean, you've helped me geek out. <laughs> but I really hope our readers have, uh, our readers, our listeners, I think it's all the time, our listeners have enjoyed um, just getting to know you. And I know that if they have an opportunity to pick up one of your books, audiobooks are one of my favorite things right now. They will just love your stories. They're fun. And 
in a season of craziness, you just bring something magical. So thank you for telling thank you guys. telling me stories. Thank yeah. you guys for having me. You guys you. are awesome. Uh, <laughs> not all podcast interviewers are the same. You guys are excellent. So keep up the good work. We like to and talk. I do want to say, if you want a fun audio book, you have, and I think this is plugging me a little bit. That's okay. Audio reader We're here for it, girl. <laughs> yeah, the audio reader for Toledo Prince and The Save a King, the, the two books in the True Blue Royals, and the third book will be a ways away because I'm writing something else right now. Her name is Louise Lee. She's she's from England. She has a, a Liverpool accent. She is fabulous, fabulous reader. I she made me geek out over my own book. I, <laughs> she did her little audition clip, and I'm like, "You're hired! You're hired! You're hired!" So uh, the, the audio of the True Blue Royals is really excellent. So okay. awesome. Can we link? Um, is there a website that, that folks can go to to find all of your books, or is there a better place to send them, or what's what's the best? Yeah, way just rachelhoff.com. Okay. Click on books. Well, we'll definitely link that in our show notes so folks can find you and find those Thank great you. books. All right. Thank you guys. Thanks. Been been fun being here. <laughs> Thanks for being here. such a great time with Rachel and we are so grateful for her for allowing us to ask all the fangirl questions about being on a Hallmark movie set writing such great novels with such great characters and we know that you are going to want to check some of those out so we will link all the information in our show notes so that you can get a hold of Rachel's books and find out how to watch Once Upon a Prince on the Hallmark channel As always, we are grateful that you are with us today. We love it when you rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast platform. And we are so excited to tell you that there is a brand new platform where you can subscribe to the podcast. And that is through Facebook. We have linked the What's Your Story podcast to my business page, Stephanie S. Cook. So if you go to the business page on Facebook and you scroll over where it says podcast, you can subscribe there. And so each episode will be sent to your newsfeed as they are released each week. Once again, we are so grateful that you were with us today and we cannot wait to be with you again next week for a brand new episode of the What's Your Story podcast. Podcast.